You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Lockdown Sooners Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And joining me today, as he does every day, is former Oklahoma Sooners offensive lineman David Walker. You can follow David on Twitter at D underscore Walk74. David, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, John. There's uh, no shortage of things to talk about today. It's been a crazy week. You know, you think you win the Big 12 title, bowl game's not for 10, 11 days, kind of just, you know, Slow roll. Everybody's taking time off. Dan Mullen gives the Gators off. Lincoln Riley gives the Sooners off. And yet here we are with so much to get into. So I don't even know. What do you want to talk about first? We got a lot to cover. Well, it's the Christmas season. So it seems like these two teams are going to give us quite a lot to talk about. It's the gift that keeps on giving, right? College football. And hey, so coming up in the show, we're going to talk a lot about the things that have transpired the last few days. In the third segment, we'll talk about what's going on in the transfer portal. In the second segment, we're going to debut a new segment, and you've heard it before because David is prone to go off on this show. Uh, We're going to call it Real Talk with D-Walk, and we'll have that in the second segment. But we're going to talk about first, David, I want to get your thoughts on Trey Brown opting out of the bowl game. Just initially, kind of what's your initial reaction to that? I really was surprised, and I'll tell you why. There's a few reasons why I I found this so shocking. One is – You know, I remember back, gosh, as recently as four or five weeks ago, we had Teddy Lehman on the podcast, and I was asking Teddy about a guy like Trey Brown potentially taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility, given that he didn't seem to be an NFL type of guy or at least not a high draft pick guy. And while he's had a progressively solid Sooner career, it wasn't anything spectacular. He's made big plays here and there, and we've – documented his knack for making big plays, especially at AT AT&T Stadium in the Big 12 title game. But nothing has stood out as a – he's not a Jim Thorpe guy. He's not an All-American. He's not a first-team All-Big 12 guy, uh, nor is any Sooner on the defense, as has been well documented. But I just couldn't believe that he would opt out of this game for a couple of reasons that really, to me, are bigger than anything, is that this is tailor-made for him to have a big-time opportunity – against Kyle Trask, who's, you know, a Heisman finalist guy, one of the, you know, the most prolific passer in this college football season. And the games are only being played 11 days apart. Like, it wasn't like you were going to have a month layoff. And, I mean, we're just talking about 11 days. Like, hang in there for 10 more days, and you're going to it's going to be game day right back at the stadium that you've made all these great memories and great had these great moments in. And you get one more opportunity to better your draft stock by – going up against what everybody says might be the best NFL-type quarterback outside of Trevor Lawrence in the country right now. And you're just going to turn that opportunity down? I I don't get it. It's a shocking development that's kind of transpired over the last few years with more and more players opting out. And I totally get get it. It comes back to that Jalen Smith injury uh, for Notre Dame back in the 2015, I guess it was 2016 Fiesta Bowl, where he just blew out his knee. And and he really hasn't been the same player since. And so I think that's a cautionary tale to a lot of – college football players at this point in time. But to echo what you said, it doesn't make much sense as far as him preparing for what I think many people assume will be an opportunity in the NFL. But I, 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 from what we've seen so far, I don't really see him – 
being a top 100 pick in the NFL draft. I don't think many people are going to be pegging him as that. And to be honest, aside from the turnovers, he may not even be a guy that's considered inside the first five rounds. And so you look at it and you're like, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know, maybe a guy like Ronnie Perkins who played just half a season, he's got a lot to play for still because he could improve his draft stock from maybe like a second or third rounder to a first rounder if he has a really good game. And, you know, every, every bit of tape for him is really, really important. I mean, he shows a lot of traits, but these NFL guys, they want to see it reproduced. They don't want to just see it for five, six games. They want to see a full season's worth of a really, really good play to be able to, uh, solidify where they're going to be playing or where they're going to be drafted at. And it's it's really curious for, for a guy like Trey Brown, who has made a lot of big plays and he's shown a knack for playmaking ability, but not, not excellent coverage. Like he's not a lockdown corner. He's not somebody that's going to be discussed in the same likes as maybe a Caleb Farley for, out of Virginia Tech or Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. And so, yeah, it's a really curious move. One thing I kind of wondered is, is he worried about worsening his draft stock? in a game like this. Now there's a lot of potentiality for that. I mean, the, the Florida Gators have arguably the best uh, non quarterback skill position player in the country and in Kyle Pitts at tight end. Could it be one of those things where, you know, he's, he's seen the tape, he's seen these guys and he knows how they can score. Could it potentially worsen his draft stock? Now I hate, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, belittle or you know, demean a guy like Trey Brown who's, who's put so much of his heart and soul into the university and, and given so much effort and made a lot of big plays. But, you know, it, it's definitely a possibility. And when a guy opts out knowing that he doesn't really have kind of a high draft stock, you got you kind of have to wonder. And I know NFL teams are going to be wondering about his competitiveness when, you know, he, he's somebody that isn't slated for a premium, you know, a first, second or third round draft pick and has an opportunity to improve that and then decides not to, to change that as a player. What would that make you think of a guy like Trey Brown? I mean, I know a lot of guys have been really, really supportive, um, but what would you be thinking if you're a member of that defense and and you've seen him opt out? Uh, I know people are going to be supportive on Twitter. That's easy to to do, uh, to, Put a tweet out in support of your of your guy, of your brother, and that's fine. And I don't think any player is going to come out and publicly call him out for that. But I do think that if you put a truth serum in everybody on that defense, that when they got the news of that, their their head hung a little bit mm-hmm. in their heart of hearts. Like in their heart of hearts, if they're being honest, they're like, "Oh man, come on, dude! Like we need you today. Like we need you today against Florida in the Cotton Bowl." And with the progression of this defense, with there's two ways to look at this, okay? There, there's a, a human element to this that I, I don't want to overlook, right? Trey Brown is an Oklahoma kid that lost his mom. And for, as I recall, lost her, went to the funeral, played the same week. I mean, like it was a bang, 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 like lots of different things happened in, in succession of he had this major tragedy. He leaves the, leaves the practice field, comes back, pl- plays the game, plays the season, He's given a lot to this program. Okay, so there's that side of it. And he's been much maligned along with all those other defensive players as the progression from Mike Stoops to Ruffin McNeil for a little while to Alex Grinch and this, you know, to where they are today. And he's been a big part of the turnaround in a lot of ways as well. So I, I want to make sure I acknowledge that and when, when I say these things because that can't be, you know, diminished either. But when you ask how a teammate feels, I, I think there's, there's a, a juxtaposition of, of him 
and what Creed Humphrey had to say about, you know, whether he was going to stick it out or whatever and, and finish this game and why would he opt out. And, and he just felt like, you know, he made the quote that he felt like he wanted to finish what he started. He started the season, he felt obligated to finish it. And that could be a, a subtle way to say, I don't agree with that position mm-hmm. that, that Trey took. But he, you know, Creed mentioned as a captain and as a leader, I just feel like it's my duty to, to go out and play. And I think that to me is the, the biggest difference of this generation of player. And if this was the college football playoff, I think Trey Brown would play. But it's yeah. not the college football playoff. Well, go back to Adrian Peterson. The last game that he played as a Sooner was in the Fiesta Bowl against Boise State. And he came back from a broken collarbone where he would missed most of the season. And he comes in and plays against Boise State. Did he have a single thing to gain by playing the Broncos in Arizona? Not nope. one thing. Nothing. Yet he strapped it up. He went out there and battled to finish off a season with his teammates and to be a part of it, try to win a bowl game for the program that he was a part of. And that, to me, is, is just a difference of this era, of this self-preservation era. Because, And, again, you can point to an example of, of guys that got hurt in bowl games, and, and those are valid points. But what also is valid to me is that the idea of finishing what you start and how that, how that changes your, the perception of how you remember it. And right or wrong, people will remember – that, wait, Trey Brown opted out? Wait, what? He's on a first-round pick. He's on a first three-round pick, but he's opted out? Is that – and they're going to ask the question that you just asked, John, because it's an obvious question to ask, and I'm glad you brought it up. Is it self-preservation to say the writing is on the wall here? I could get lit up and really embarrassed in this game, and I don't want to go out that way. I want to go out as the game-sealing interception against Iowa State in the Big 12 title game when everybody was calling me Trey TNT Stadium and all that stuff, and I want to ride that wave and ride on out. And to me, if you're just asking me, and again, I, I'm not, I don't have an ounce of the career that Trey Brown has had at Oklahoma. I don't, I don't. But if you're asking me as a competitor, if my team's playing, I'm strapping up the pads and I'm, I'm there. I don't care where we're playing, who we're playing against. If my team is playing and it's a season I'm a part of, I could not imagine not being a part of it. That, but that's just me. And maybe I'm old and maybe I think different. But I think there's a lot of players in that locker room that probably feel the same way that might not come out and say it. But it'll be interesting to see which Sooners, and we can talk about this as it comes closer to game time, but which Sooners actually step up in his absence? And could that actually end up being, John, a blessing in disguise that maybe some of these young guys get this opportunity to go against the Gators offense, they get to sharpen their sword against Kyle Trask and and Pitts and these guys on the national stage. And maybe in the 2021 and 2022 seasons, it looks so promising. Maybe we look back on this and say, hey, you know what? It was good that Trey went ahead and moved on. Who knows? there's definitely going to be a lot of valuable snaps for some of these other guys in the defensive backfield. And so that can't be diminished either. And so I'm glad you, you brought that up for sure. But coming up in the next segment, we're going to debut our new segment and that's real talk with D walk. You've heard it before. And we've, we've had the reviews that people like hearing what D walk's got to say because he keeps it real. And so we're going to bring you a segment uh, full of what D walk might have to say about a certain Florida player running his mouth already. And we'll do that here coming up next on the Locked On Sooners podcast. But first, let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? Well, the bowl season is here, and it offers the perfect opportunity to watch football and chill with the only beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. So whether you're watching the NBA that started back up, you're watching college hoops, you're watching bowl games, 
Whatever you're into, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can now get Coors Light in its new look, delivered straight to your door by going to get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's easy to eat and is 100% covered in chocolate. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got 18 great flavors, including new options like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry Garcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And for the holidays, they have a special candy cane brownie flavor. My personal favorites are the peanut butter brownie and the coconut almond. And best of all, they're good for you. Built Bar has about 18 grams of protein and only four or five grams of sugar. If you use promo code Locked On, you can save an additional 20% off your order by going to BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com. So for the best tasting protein bar on the market, go to BuiltBar.com. And the holidays are all about giving, right? Well, I'm going to give you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. So subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcast. And coming up in this segment, we're going to debut a new topic, and that's Real Talk with D. Walk. David Walker is going to go in on something that got him a little bit fired up, and, and when these opportunities come, we're going to have to give him the mic, clear the ring, give him all the attention. And so, David, I got to ask you, man, how are you feeling about what Florida linebacker James Houston had to say today during the media day? They're not. Uh, on our level, they're not SEC, they're not the Florida Gators, so uh, we should uh, put on a good show. Oh, man. Well, John, would I surprise you if I said that Mr. Houston is absolutely right? Would it surprise you if I said he was right? A little bit, yeah. Okay, well, let me tell you why I'm going to say he's right. Because the only thing that brings Florida to Oklahoma's level is the Jordan logo on their chest. So, Mr. Houston if I can call you that. You want to say that Oklahoma is not on Florida's level. I couldn't agree more, bro. I couldn't agree more. Because, one, for starters, you're not even the most historical football program in your state. I mean, we can go down south to the U and find a lot more national titles, a lot more celebrated NFL players, a lot more cultural significance. So, you guys – Tallahassee. Yeah, you're in Tallahassee. And – you have, you're significant for a couple reasons, and, and one of them is Gatorade, okay? So you had Tim Tebow and Gatorade, and I'll be generous and give you Steve Spurrier and Danny Werfel, and outside of that, you're another program in the SEC. And why do I say that, John? Well, because in the last 10 years, let's go back to the, start with the 2010 season, as Urban Meyer was starting to make his shameful exit out when he was engulfed in scandals and, you know, Aaron Hernandez and all the different things going on down there. Well, since the beginning of the, 2020, the 2010 season, they finished uh, five of those 10 years unranked. They haven't won a championship of any kind since 2008. They haven't sniffed a college football playoff appearance. I mean, for crying out loud, they hired Jim McElwain. And if you're wondering if Jim McElwain was a good coach, we are too. We don't know because he wasn't a good coach at Florida. I don't know if he was a good coach before, but that's the program you guys have. You hired Jim McElwain. And really, Florida – Florida Gators, Mr. Houston. The Gators had a great quarterback who made you all believe that you had a great program. All right, so he wins three titles in four years. Mr. Tim Tebow was a great quarterback, a great college football player that tricked you into believing that you were a great football program. And three coaches later, and now another probation, thanks to your boy Dan Mullen, 
you're still trying to convince yourself that you're great. And the fact that you played the SEC card is just so sad, right? I mean, they're not the SEC. I mean, really? That's so sad. That's so desperate. And ultimately, guys, it's just so pathetic. Resorting to conference pride, I mean, that's just a surefire way to show that you're not on Oklahoma's level. Because Oklahoma doesn't talk about the Big 12. Oklahoma is the Big 12. And you're riding coattails on Alabama and taking moral victories from playing them close while Oklahoma's winning championships, going to the playoffs, racking up Heismans, and continuing to be a blue blood. So all this talk about they're not on our level, they're not the SEC, man, you can take that SEC and you can shove it because you're in the SEC East, and the SEC East sucks, okay? Georgia gets to be good for a couple minutes. They think they're elite. They haven't won anything since 82, right? You haven't won anything since 08. And you guys take turns being the best of the East, and you go against whatever SEC West team Alabama lets their guard down against, or you go up against Alabama, and you can't get it done. So then you want to resort to this, well, we're in the SEC, so it means more and it's harder. Well, what it's meant for you in the last decade is four losses a year. I mean, a four-win season, four, four years ago, you were four and seven. And uh, as I recall, uh, Houston, you signed up to be a part of that four and seven team, so – you're right. You're not on Oklahoma's level because there's not a guy in Norman, Oklahoma that knows what it's like to win four games in a season. They don't. So you couldn't have been more right. Honestly, I, I appreciate what you did. Appreciate the swag you came out with. And I hope you bring that same swag to Dallas. Because when you get there, I don't care if you think Texas and Dallas is Big 12 country. You're wrong. Because there's no such thing. There is no Big 12 country. There's just Sooner territory. And when you leave there, you won't be talking about levels. You'll just be going home with a big old L. And that's Real Talk. And that's Real Talk with D-Walk. And coming up now, we're going to give you our top five Christmas movies to get you ready for the Christmas season. And now you've probably already been watching some Christmas movies. But David, I'm going to go ahead and let you start. Give me number five on your list. Ooh, number five on my list. I'm going to go with a recent favorite of mine which is Four Christmases, all right? And Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn, the last few years really got me going. And if you got a lot of family dynamics, if you, if you travel around a lot, there's probably one or two that you can relate to. But great laughs. Vince Vaughn, as good as it gets. Uh, honorable mention, Vince Vaughn, Fred Claus. Yes. Also very nice. Uh, I'm going to go number four. I will go Deck the Halls. Uh, Danny DeVito, okay. Matthew Broderick, uh, Oklahoma native, Broken Arrow native, uh, Kristen Chenoweth is in that as well. Uh, really good film there. I, I think it kind of launched the show on ABC, The Great Christmas Light Fight. I think this movie kind of set the tone for that. And then I would say at number three, I'm going to go with Christmas Vacation. Love some Chevy Chase. Love some Uncle Eddie. Got a lot of one-liners in there. It's kind of stood the test of time. And I'm going to go with... For my number two, this is just maybe just because I have boys in the house and maybe because I'm just a, a Christmas kid at heart, but I love the Home Alone movies. I'm going to go with Home Alone Part 2 as my number two movie. And then if you think I like Home Alone 2, do I like Home Alone 1? I love it. All right, I love it. So it's my number one movie, Christmas movie, Home Alone. And when we watch it in the Walker house, we always order pizza on the night we watch Home Alone because... If you watch Home Alone and you see the pizza delivery guy from Little Nero show up and it doesn't make you want some pizza, 
I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. You, you must be a pizza hater. You must not like enjoy a pizza. So we just proactively order that pizza. So that when that part of the movie shows up, we're not without. So that's the, that's my top five Four Christmases deck, the halls, Christmas vacation, home alone two, home alone one. And uh, we, we've got it. We've got one that matches up, but I'll, 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 We'll figure that out here at the end. Uh, but my top five, uh, number five, I'm actually going to go with uh, The Grinch. And not the Jim Carrey one. That one's terrible. But the animated one that just came out recently with uh, Com- uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as the voice of The Grinch. You also got uh, Keenan Williams as the voice of, uh, oh, man, what's his name? Bricklebaum. <laughs> Bricklebaum, who, who thinks The Grinch is his best friend. Oh, Mr. Grinch. Um, number four on my list is Elf. Uh, love me some Will Ferrell and Elf. Also, big fan of Zoe Deschanel in that one. And you can't you can't underestimate the performance by the great James Caan in that movie as well. He's he's fantastic. Uh, love Elf. It's it's a a must watch every year for us in our household. So my wife and I we dig it. Smiling's my favorite. I like smiling. Smiling's my favorite. Um, next one, another another one that's a, a big. A favorite of ours and we watch it every single year and that's love actually it's a british movie um got such a great cast liam neeson uh the guy from uh, andrew walker the guy from the walking dead you got uh, kira knightley you've got uh, martin freeman before martin freeman became uh bilbo baggins and and dr watson in the sherlock series uh emma thompson alan rickman uh hugh uh yeah hugh grant uh Big time British actors all the way around. Such a great, it's a great feel good movie for the most part. Uh, some some good drama, but just excellent, excellent movie. We love it every year. We watch it. it. Makes us laugh. A lot of awkward, good British humor. If you like good British awkward humor, check it out. Uh, the next one is going to be the original animated How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Nothing screams Christmas like your four-year-old daughter walking around the house singing welcome Christmas come this day. Nice. You just, you just love it. I mean, man, the Grinch makes me smile. But how the Grinch stole Christmas, that little short 20 to 30 minute animated movie makes me smile. So big, man. I just, I love it, you know, because Christmas isn't about things. It's not about, it doesn't come from a store. It's not wrapped in packages. It, it comes from, it means so much more. And, and that's what we believe in the Williams household is that Christmas, it means more than just stuff. It's about the greatest gift that we ever received, and that's Jesus. And then number one on my list is also David's number one, and that's Home Alone. And man, going back to when I was a kid, that movie just cracks me up. And still, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen that, nothing makes me laugh harder than seeing some of those those instances where, where Macaulay Culkin's character, Kevin, just just gets Joe Pesci gets a uh, uh, Harry and gets Marv and man, it's what's your, what's your favorite injury in that show or that the favorite kind of Kevin move on, on that show. Or that movie? I, think, I think it's the paint cans to the face. Give me those, <laughs> yes. those get me pretty good when they're coming up the stairs, the paint cans. Uh, yeah, I've had my four-year-old Chamberlain. He's been walking around the house going, Marv, Marv. Like, I mean, they're doing the, doing the Joe Pesci accident and everything. Yeah. So it's, um, it's been, it's been a fun Christmas season watching these movies. And as you were going through yours, I, you know, we kind of did these on the fly. We didn't have these written down guys. We just kind of roll with them. I'm kind of going ones that are a little bit more recently in my mind, but man, from an old time perspective, I forget about miracle on 34th street. Yes. I'm a sucker for the OG 
the black and white miracle yep. on 34th Street with Natalie Wood. Yep. That that to me is like, you know, just I think anytime you watch a Christmas movie, you kind of go back into a moment in time of when you were a kid and what that was like. And that's one that stands out to me as well. But yeah, man, that's it's a it's a great time of year. And yes, we love talking about Sooner football. You guys know I loved enjoy and really enjoyed uh, ripping on the Florida Gators. But we're going to talk more about all that stuff. But yeah, it's a big time week in the country, in the world uh, to celebrate Christmas. So make sure we want to make sure we uh, you know hit on that a little bit for you guys today too. keep it light. Right. That's I, came, right. I came hard there for the, uh, you know, the real talk segment on the, on the Florida Gators there, but we, you know, let's soften it up a little bit with some Christmas talk here before we get into segment three and talk about the transfer portal and all that good stuff. But it was fun. Yeah. Christmas season. Let's get it. Yeah, man. It's, it's a lot of fun to talk about Christmas movies. It creates a lot of debate. And so make sure you go to the Locked On Sooners, Locked On Sooners Twitter account and let us know your favorite Christmas movies. We do our movie of the week every week, but let us know your top five Christmas movies over there on Locked On Sooners at Locked On Sooners. Uh, and yeah, coming up next, we're going to get into the transfer portal, talk about who is on the move, who's already landed a new home, and who could potentially be on the move. We'll do that here next on Locked On Sooners. And are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer and clearer by the day. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. There's still time to get in on this week's NFL action. The bowl season is nigh upon us, and you can now get in on the NBA as it starts up its regular season. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag. Your online sports book experts. If you want to know what's going on around the Big 12 Conference, from basketball to football to recruiting, make sure you go and subscribe to Locked On Big 12. Josh Neighbors hosts a great podcast covering the spectrum of the Big 12. We'll have guests from the other Locked On Podcast Network hosts from Locked On Longhorns to Locked On Horn Frogs, Locked On Sooners. And he'll bring on guests from SiriusXM and across the country to talk about Big 12 athletics. So if you're interested in what's going on around the league, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Big 12. And now in this segment, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the transfer portal, what's going on there. A couple guys already on the move. David Walker, we've got Tanner Mordecai. He entered the transfer portal, and not long after, he found a new home with the SMU Mustangs. Give us your reaction to that. Great fit for Tanner Mordecai. I think he is a guy that can see the writing on the wall. I mean, maybe he's been listening to Locked On Sooners. Maybe he's been listening to, uh, you know, to our boy coming on, talking about, uh, you know, Parker Thune, talking about Caleb Williams going to supplant Spencer Rattler next season, which Willie or Willie not, we don't know. But the conversation doesn't involve Tanner Mordecai next season. He was not going to be a part of that conversation. I think Chandler Morris getting a touchdown in the Big 12 title game was probably just – I don't know. I, I would guess, John, that decision had been made a long time ago. But when Chandler Morris scored that first touchdown in Arlington, I don't think there was any doubt that Tanner Mordecai was going to be on the first thing smoking out of Oklahoma. And I'm glad that he found a good spot at, at SMU because, honestly, you know, nothing against the guy, but the level of play at Oklahoma at that position is so high and so elite that – from what we saw on film from him, from the reps he got, I think this is a better fit for him. And that's somewhere he can go and probably have a nice career. And whether he has next level potential or not, who knows, but if he can go somewhere that's close to home, you know, back in the Dallas area, that's, that's a good fit. I'm excited for him to have that opportunity. 
Yeah, I think it's a good fit for him too. It'll give him an opportunity to play. And as a quarterback, you got to play. I mean, you got to get snaps in order to develop your game. And so, yeah, the running was honestly probably on the wall against LSU last year when things got out of hand and the guy that they let kind of clean up at the end was Spencer Rattler and not Tanner Mordecai. And so, yep. you, know, you know, it was it was kind of him to stick around for another year. He could have entered the transfer portal last year and found a new home, but he stuck it out one more year, competed for the job. It didn't go his way, uh, you know, all due respect to, to Tanner Mordecai, nothing but respect for him. And he gets to go play with another Riley. And we've seen what Riley's can do for quarterbacks. And, you know, if he gets an opportunity and actually gets to play, I think SMU could be a good landing spot for him. Now talk to us about TJ Pledger, the Sooners backup running back after Ramondre Stevenson came back. What do you, what do you make of that move? Yeah, that one's a little bit more curious, but again, not really surprising. And I think that has a lot to do with a couple of things. Yes, for this particular season, when Ramondre came back, that took T.J. Pledger's carries away. And I'm sure just as a competitor, you can say Ramondre Stevenson is the best running back on this team. But you can also say if you're T.J. Pledger, you can say, yeah, but I was here and I showed up and I showed out when nobody else could do it. And I picked up the reins and I carried the football and I, I did what had to be done while he was out. And it's OK for him to feel that way, too. Right. So mm-hmm. there's the talent level side of it, which is Ramondre is the best player. There's the emotional side of it, and it's not irrational to say that T.J. Pleasure was there when they needed him, and he stuck it out, and he was there, and he showed up, and he was present, and he was available, and he was durable, and all of those things can be true about him, and yet this could still be the right decision for him, and it be okay for the program as well because Kennedy Brooks, by all accounts, is coming back, and what he will look like when he comes back, I have no idea. I mean, I don't know what he's been doing for the last nine months. I don't know how he's been training and taking care of his body and all those things. And that'll be a whole other conversation about the, the, the reintegration of Kennedy Brooks into this offense with a new running backs coach and DeMarco Murray with a quarterback he hasn't played with before with new offensive line you know, kind of guys coming in in front of him. That's a whole other conversation. But for TJ Pledger, if Ramondre doesn't come back, which we don't expect that he will, but Kennedy Brooks comes back, you got Marcus Major, you got Seth McGowan, guys who have shown promise behind him. And he hasn't separated himself so much from those guys that it wouldn't be a battle going into the next year, even if Kennedy Brooks wasn't a part of the equation. So to me, this signals a couple of things. It either signals they have a big time running back coming in as well, or with Kennedy Brooks coming back, he just doesn't see the carries are going to be there for him. And that's okay. You know, I think there's times where I'm a lot more open-minded to a guy doing a transfer portal situation when he's going to hit a glass ceiling in this program and he's not going to surpass where he's at. That's a different conversation to me. Like the Trey Brown situation, opting out of a game that's being played 11 days after you just won a championship. That to me is a little bit harder to stomach than a guy making a a decision to say, this isn't quitting on my team. This is just taking a pivot, right? It's like, Hey, I'm pivoting in my life and my career. I didn't, I stuck it out through the season. Both those guys, you know, stepped in and helped, Oklahoma win football games. I mean, Tanner Mordecai gave Spencer Rattler a breather in the Cotton Bowl and that changed his career. Uh-huh. Potentially. And that was an important moment in the program's history for Spencer Rattler that Tanner Mordecai came in. It didn't fall apart. They scored a touchdown and life moved on. But for these guys to pivot and go find something that's better for them, I think that Sooner fans should be supportive of that and encouraged by the fact that they have the kind of talent there at Oklahoma that guys as good as those two players were coming out of high school could not find the reps because the talent is so good at Oklahoma and so deep. And we've seen recently how the transfer portal can 
work out well for a player. Look at Trey Sermon going to Ohio State. I mean, I, I think he would have had a really great season had he stayed with Oklahoma. Obviously, if Ramondre wasn't here and Trey Sermon was and no Kennedy Brooks, I mean, Trey Sermon's carrying the load all season long and probably putting up really, really good numbers. But he goes to Ohio State, an offense that runs the football very effectively, and he had a great season with them as well. And so I think you know he he improved his draft stock by transferring. And, and I could see the same thing for you know TJ Pledger. He's got some skills. I mean, he's not going to be a an NFL you know uh, feature back, but he could be like a Boston Scott out of Philly, where you know he you know five to ten touches a game and he gives you a little bit of a burst at times. Probably going to be an undrafted guy. You know, if you look at the next level, but. Still, yeah, and and again, nothing but respect for TJ Pleasure. He he played hard. He played tough. He ran much bigger than his size, which is you know it's always incredible to me. You know, as somebody who had a hard time like trying to tackle people, seeing a guy his size just decide to lay it lay it all out on the line, just go full bore into guys you know fifty pounds bigger than he is. And so, TJ Pleasure, best of luck to you, man. We hope you find land in a really good landing spot. Maybe Ohio State's where you need to go. Just follow Trey Sermon up there. But I think it, it speaks to what you said, and, and that's the return of Kennedy Brooks. And I'm not concerned about Kennedy Brooks coming back and being successful. By all intents and purposes, they'll actually have a, a pretty decent off season this year. We may, we may not get like spring football in the spring game and things like that, but I bet that they'll have a much better training period in 2021 than they had in 2020. And so I think Kennedy will probably get back into shape. You know, DeMarco Murray was always in really, really good football shape. And so I imagine that he'll get his guy Kennedy in, in the appropriate amount of shape heading into uh, fall camp uh, in August. And I'm a big Kennedy Brooks fan. I love the way the guy runs. He's so smooth and so deceptively quick and fast that before you realize that he's in the second level, he's in the second level because it just looks like he's running, you know, in slow motion but his, he's just got such excellent vision and, and deceptive speed. I mean, we saw it. I think he had like a 90 plus yard TD run last year or something like that. So I, I'm excited that he's coming back. I was actually thinking he might go to the NFL draft with the tape that he's already put on, on tape, the, the play he's already put on tape. He's a guy that would get drafted, I think, because running backs, especially low mileage running backs like Kennedy Brooks are very highly sought after and, you know, the things that he displays at the college level are easily reproducible in the NFL. And that's vision, uh, elusiveness, and quickness. And like I said, that just the, yeah, in good hands, he's a good, he's a good receiver as well out of the backfield. And so, um, yeah, really looking forward to Kennedy Brooks coming back. I think him, like you said, Marcus Major, Seth McGowan, and who knows, man, if they're able to land Kamar Wheaton, who knows what that does? But again, it, even if they do land Kamar Wheaton, I think Kennedy Brooks coming back means you don't have to rush Kamar Wheaton into the into the fold early on because you've got Seth McGowan and you've got Marcus Major. And I think those three create a nice depth chart for the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, what do you make or where do you think it could be a good landing spot for TJ Pleasure? What kind of level? Do you think he's a, you know, a power five type runner? Do you think he's going to land on a big time program? I mean, yes, power five, but I would say circumstances would need to would need to be right. I mean, it would need to be a, a power five team probably that's on the lower tier to me. And again, this is not a knock on TJ Pledger, but his, his size. And um, I, I think, yeah, you could, and you could say, well, what about, what about the back from Kansas state? Right. What about Deuce? Okay. Yeah. Deuce is a smaller guy, but Deuce is different. Okay. The, mm -hmm. Deuce is elite. Deuce is doing what he is doing for a reason. So I would say probably for the right fit. Yes. He could probably go play in the power five somewhere and, and help somebody out. But I, I would think like, you know, one of those elite group of five 
programs is where he should be looking, you know, like, I mean, look at a Cincinnati or, or I don't know if he's open to going up to Boise or somewhere like that, but go somewhere that has a profile, go somewhere that needs, needs somebody to carry the, the football 15 to 20 times and be, you know, be a dynamic back. And I think that's where, where he's going to be most effective at somewhere, somewhere where he's going to get the touches, honestly, because he wasn't going to get those touches in Norman and he could go somewhere, John, and prove us all wrong. I mean, he could go to a, a South Carolina, right? I mean, who knows? I mean, you got a guy going out there, Coach Beamer, that's going to be pretty familiar with him. So if he picked up the phone and said, Coach Beamer, could you take it back? And Coach Beamer sees him as a guy that could carry the rock 15 times in the SEC, then sure, that could be a landing spot too. You know, a familiar face to bring in a veteran presence in their backfield wouldn't be the worst thing for a first-year head coach to be able to do. So that to me could be, a, as I'm just talking, it just popped in my head, but I think that could be an interesting, interesting dynamic as well. It's going to be interesting to see if any more players decide to opt out of the Cotton Bowl or into the transfer portal. You know, we talked about a guy like Chandler Morris early on, and with Caleb Williams coming in, Spencer Rattler already in the fold, you know, Chandler Morris could also look at his positioning and think, you know, there's not really playing time available for me here at Oklahoma. Maybe I need to find a new place to play. Do you think that that's a possibility there? Well, I think Chandler Morris is interesting for – one reason I would say that he wouldn't do that, and this is a – he's got a unique dynamic to him is that he's a coach's kid, right? He mm-hmm. is a, a former Arkansas head coach, and his dad obviously was the you know, offensive coordinator uh, at Auburn this year. And now what, what happens to Chad Morris now that there's a coaching change and all those different things? But I think just the mentality of the fact that he can look at this on a couple different levels just because he's been around college football at that level – that there's a there's an intangible that he can have in his back pocket for the rest of his life, depending on what he wants to do with his career. Because I don't think Chandler Morris fancies himself as an NFL quarterback. I don't think he has the size, the stature. Now he might think he's got the footwork and sees Kyler Murray and, and say maybe I can not be Kyler Murray, but I can do something along those lines at the next level. So I don't know what he he dreams about, but I can tell you this: if he wants to be a college football coach and follow in that step that his dad is in and he sits there as a five-year Lincoln Riley disciple and he gets to be around quarterbacks like Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams and win big 12 titles and go to the playoffs and maybe win a national title. And maybe as a fifth year guy when Caleb Williams is gone after a couple seasons or whatever, and all of a sudden you got a fifth year guy in Chandler Morris, maybe that's not a bad option. Maybe he's playing for this whole time to say, Hey, if I could just get one season, to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, it would all be worth it. And even if I don't, I'll have all this great experience. I'll have been around elite quarterback play. I'll have been sitting at the feet of the quarterback Jedi master and Lincoln Riley. And now if I want to go be a college football coach, I'll have a handful of rings on my fingers. I'll have all this cachet of, as, of being a Lincoln Riley guy. And to me, like there's equity in that, John, mm-hmm. that playing time at an SMU or a North Texas or wherever he wants to go, isn't going to trump that when it comes to the long game of his life in football, depending on if he wants to go into a coaching route. So that's one thing that I could see that would keep him around as a, as a program guy versus somebody that sees themselves as, okay, I I want to go be a starter. I want to go be the man. I think he might be looking at things a little differently based upon those, those uh, situations. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot still to uh, unwind and unpack this, this fall or this, sorry. And there's still a lot to unpack here this winter with the Cotton Bowl coming up and still a lot of recruiting decisions to be made. And so who knows? There's, there's going to be several players that could 
into the transfer portal from now on, and we'll have you covered here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. And that's going to do it for today. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Go check us out on Facebook, Locked On Sooners podcast. Follow David on Twitter at D underscore walk 74. You can also follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. And we will catch you tomorrow. Actually, coming up on the Thursday edition of the Locked On Sooners podcast, we're going to have a Big 12 roundtable with myself, the host of Locked On Longhorns, Patrick Kahn, the host of Locked On Horned Frogs, Stephen Simcox, and the host of Locked On Big 12, Joshua Neighbors. So make sure you check out the Thursday episode where we kind of give our uh, recap of the 2020 uh, Big 12 season, talk a little bit about the bowl games and where these teams are headed in 2021. And for David Walker, I'm John Williams, Boomer Sooner. And Merry Christmas.